0: Praise the Lord, let's turn to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. Since, since it's been a couple of days now, we have not looked at Chapter 1 together. we to look at that again. Mark Chapter 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The Son of God, as it is written in the Prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. For the forgiveness of sins. Then all the land of Judea. That's the Roman. Name for. A good portion of Israel. When the Romans took it over. They called it Judea. And those from Jerusalem. Which was the capital of Israel. They went out to meet him. And were all baptized by him. In the Jordan River. Confessing their sins now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey a very peculiar, strange lifestyle but he was called to serve God and this was an ascetic lifestyle it was a, a removal of himself from the mainstream society and he was Apparently, making do with what he had in the wilderness and desert area. And so he ate locusts and wild honey, and God caused that to sustain his prophet. And he didn't have fine raiment, as Jesus would say later on. He wasn't found in the palace, but he was there in the rugged terrain, wearing this rugged clothing and he came in the spirit of Elijah, another Old Testament prophet, who was also reported to be rugged in appearance. <clears throat> and he preached, saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and do. So, He called attention, even though he was engaged in calling people to turn from their sins, turn from a self-centered lifestyle, selfish lifestyle, a lifestyle where they ignored God. He's calling them, turn back to God because he's the author of life. As we may have heard from the radio program last evening, our radio program God of Wonders, where Pescar was preaching on Jesus being the light Of the world and the life. And one cannot exist without the other. One cannot exist without the other. Life and light. John came preparing the people for the light of the world, Jesus Christ. In order to be ready to receive Him, they had to really look at themselves and see themselves honestly and say, I I need God. I really can't live without God I can go through the motions and exist but I need God because He is life and John is preparing them by calling them to the Jordan River where they'll be baptized showing that they are clearing the way for Jesus to come into their hearts when He comes a short time later preaching And uh, though he was engaged in this preaching, immediately he gave glory to Jesus, gave glory to God, and he said, there comes one after me. Somebody's coming right after me now. John was feared by the people in power. He was so powerful as a prophet of God. The Spirit of God was working in him mightily. But he said, there's somebody who's even mightier than me. That person that's going to come, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and unloose his sandal strap. I'm so much less than him. I'm not even worthy to really come near him and even touch his shoes. And he said, why? He said, I indeed, verse 8 of Mark chapter 1, I indeed baptized you with water. He said, you came to me Turn from your sins and turn to God. I baptize you with water. I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Only God can do that. Only God can baptize somebody with the Holy Spirit. Verse 9. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. Mark's gospel moves rather rapidly. And it's said of this gospel that more than Jesus speaking, there's a lot of action going on, what Jesus is doing. And now the appointed time has come. Just like in our lives, God has a specific schedule for our lives. And it goes beyond just the time we're supposed to be born and the time we're supposed to die. The Lord has appointed times in which he calls us to grow to know Him, to grow in the light of His good news or gospel about what He came to do for us, to die on the cross for our sins. And the more we understand Him and hear Him, the more we become strong. Just like John the Baptist grew since he was a baby, he grew. Wisdom grew in power. Jesus had a set time also. The creator of the universe who became a human being. As you saw last time, he had no human father. His conception, his birth, everything was miraculous because the Holy Spirit caused him to be formed in Mary, a young virgin's womb. He had an appointed time when he would come and we see that clearly in the prophecies in the Old Testament, written hundreds and even thousands of years before he came. And we see in the book of Micah that he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And although Mark doesn't discuss that, we see in the other Gospels, such as in Matthew, that he was born in Bethlehem as was prophesied some six or seven hundred years before he came. That a certain supernatural being is going to come who has no beginning, he's eternal. But he's going to come out of a certain city. Obviously he's going to come into the world and he's going to appear. But we know that the Bible says that he's not just appearing, he's actually born as a human baby. God and man merge together in a unique once uh, in eternity. So Jesus appears here after John speaks about him. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, the Jordan River. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, descending upon him like a dove. He's going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit, but he needed this anointing as he became a man. Because as a man, the God-man, the Spirit of God is going to enable him to defeat the devil and be worthy of being able to deliver us. From our sins, and all of our troubles. There's an unfolding and revelation of the greatness of the Lord Jesus the more we read about Him. He's definitely unique. No other human being or teacher like Him. No prophet like Him. He's far above all of them in every way. But then we come to find out He's actually God Himself. Come in human flesh to redeem us from our sins and here it says and the spirit descended or descending upon him like a dove we mentioned that it didn't say a dove When Luke's gospel it says he descended the spirit of God descended in bodily form like a dove we don't know exactly what John saw but we know that the way the Spirit descended the form was like a dove and certainly the descent was like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You see the Trinity the God that we serve is one divine Lord God and three persons of the Godhead, three persons of this supernatural God, we know by revelation only, meaning God had to tell us this, we can't figure it out, nor can we understand it perfectly with our limited human minds, that He is is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all at the same time. Praise God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not as the Catholics or some idolatrous religions have. You know, a lot of pagan religions have religions have, uh, God as a father, perhaps, as somebody as a son, and then there's a mother. Some goddess or some form of God, as they see it. But that's all a lie. There is no female before Eve was created in Genesis 1. This is not to say that there was a male before Adam was created. But God is a father figure. And he is as the... God created male and female. He created male first... And he made, in a family, the male, as you see in the New Testament, to be the head of the family. And so there are certain things that we may not be able to understand fully, but there's no female deity anywhere. There's no female God. That's all the imagination of people whose minds are darkened because of ignorance and willful ignorance, choose not to see the truth. It's more convenient. And that's why you have in the pagan religions, such as in Greece, around the same time that Jesus came, and for some years before that, actually, but still there and after the Apostle Paul also. Greek and Rome, they have female... Goddesses and statues with the most grotesque appearance appealing to fertility and sexual desire. The total uh, abuse, misuse, mischaracterization of everything God created good in a human family and for reproduction and for um, raising and nurturing children. It's a grotesque aberration. Without going into detail, that's as much as we need to hear right now. But many of us have seen statues and even photographs of so-called female deities, even in the museums. You see all kinds of perverted things. And this is their religion, which involves a desecration of the female as God made nobly after the male. But God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is seen here in verse 11. Because the Son just got baptized in water, not because He sinned or need to confess anything, He was sinless. Always was sinless, always will be sinless. But He did it as a pattern for those who follow. And this is an inauguration or beginning of His ministry, public showing to Israel so in Mark chapter 1 we trust the Lord praise God verse 11 then a voice came from heaven you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased the father saying that the spirit coming upon the son and the son of course Receiving this anointing as a man, as a God-man. We saw this last time. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts. And the angels ministered to him. Wild beasts could have torn any human being apart. But the Spirit of God is upon him, and everything was kept at bay. Nonetheless, the challenge was there, and now, more than a wild beast, the devil himself came to tempt him with everything he could he could, for 40 days. But he overcame everything. The other gospels highlight the manner of temptation. Verse 14, after he went through this testing, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee. He went up north in that region by this lake called Sea of Galilee, actually a lake, and what he would do is call his disciples, people who would lay down everything and follow him, and that's exactly what we're called to do. Jesus didn't come into the world just to have 12 disciples. He came into the world to have everyone follow Him because He is life. There is no life apart from Him. He is the light of the world. There is no light apart from Him. There is artificial light, human light, physical light. But the light that lights every person that comes into the world, the light that gives life that brings us out of spiritual darkness and slavery. It's only through Jesus Christ. And so that light went up to this region of Galilee in northern Israel. And that land was in darkness. And Jesus came and preached the good news and he healed many people and delivered many people from demonic possession. He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Sometimes we see kingdom of heaven in the other gospels. But Jesus is not only a Jewish king, he not only came to help the Jewish people first because, after all, he's a descendant of Abraham and prophesied by God to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to David the king was that through their line the Messiah will come this anointed one, deliverer at some point in time in the future that's all they knew and here he is but he's not just a Jewish prophet Jewish king Jewish Messiah to preach the kingdom of heaven to the Jewish people he came to bring every one of every creed and nationality and race to come into the kingdom of the one universal God, the living God. And his message was, the time is here, it's fulfilled. The time has come. And the kingdom of God is at hand or near. Repent and believe in the good news, the good news about him he's coming to the world as a light turn from your darkness turn from the evil ways come to me I'll give you life I'll give you rest I'll give you salvation and as he walked by the sea of Galilee he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen he didn't go to the elite of society he didn't go to the people who were um, Maybe today we'll say, people who are very wealthy, very well-known, had a lot of power, See, God's design is different. He doesn't go to people who think they're already righteous. He doesn't go to people who think they're already okay, and so they don't need him, and they feel that way. And they reject him. The loss is theirs, not his, because God can never lose his identity and all that he has. He owns everything. There's nothing we can add to God, but we can be in his family and please him, and we can benefit for all eternity out of his grace. So he picked these fishermen who, later on we'll see in the book of Acts, that people were astounded. The educated people the people who knew the scriptures who taught the scriptures and the officials in the Jewish religion they were all amazed they said how did these fishermen these people who don't know anything really get such power and such influence it's because they were with Jesus and it's written explicitly they perceived that they were with Jesus So he calls these men, and they're just doing their business, just like all of us. Whatever role we have in society, in a family, we have to go to work, we have to do this, we have to study, we have to buy and sell and do all the things people do in the course of a lifetime. But he interrupted and intercepted their business. He didn't go and intercept it by saying, let me take over your business or let me show you how to do better and let me give you a deal he walked by and all he said was "The two particular people first Simon who would be called Peter also Simon Peter and Andrew's brother were doing their job to make money casting a net into the sea and at least we know Simon had a wife had a family Jesus said to them, while they were doing their nine-to-five work, "Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. You're fishing for fish. Have something far bigger than you can imagine. You follow me. I'll make you catch souls. Why?" Because God wanted to save people, and he would use these disciples to bring the gospel in power, with the power of the Holy Spirit, and save many people through Jesus. They had no idea about this at all. All of a sudden, they hear these words from this man we see from the other gospels that they heard John the Baptist recommend. Jesus Christ, that he's coming, somebody mightier than me. And we've seen the other gospels. He says Behold the Lamb of God when he saw Jesus walking. With the four gospels, we're able to weave together one narrative to fill in many, many details and understand how the Lord Jesus impacted these two men. they heard about him. And that's how we get saved. We hear about Jesus Christ. We're not born knowing about Jesus. That's why the Bible says the gospel, which means good news, this uh, evangelion or evangelical message draws to God, we hear from somewhere. And it is so powerful that when we hear about Jesus Christ, if we believe what we hear like chemistry or electronics when certain elements get in contact with each other there's a reaction and it can be very powerful it can alter the course of one's life and quality of life that's exactly what happens They heard about Jesus from John and then they followed him and their lives were transformed forever. We hear about Jesus Christ. We see the uniqueness of his life. There's no one like him, no teacher like him, no prophet like him, no one who walked with power and miracles and compassion and holiness and then died and rose again from the dead, conquered death. No one in all of human history or in any religion can match the combination of qualities that this man had and has because he's God in the flesh so what they did was they immediately left their nets and followed him the Lord comes knocking on our door because he loves us although not everyone is called to abandon their business All of us are called to abandon our idols. The idols may be money. The idols may be, I want to be comfortable. I want to make myself a comfortable place. I want to have a good family. But without God. Anytime we do anything without God, that thing becomes an idol. But He calls us and says, follow me. So in our souls, we begin to look toward Him. We begin to look to Him for everything that we need and for His supernatural blessing and touch on our lives. And not just to get some blessings and run away, but to become His disciple. And that's the definition of disciple in this paragraph. God calls us to effectively leave everything meaning detach ourselves from any idolatry of desiring pleasure or power or position and say, I want to follow the one who has all the power, who has the greatest position in the universe and who can give me the greatest pleasure deep in my hungry heart because I'm made for him. He created me in his image. All these truths come out and we follow the Lord Jesus This is what they did. They immediately left their nets and followed him. That's a picture of the total abandonment of everything we know as life. When we see the real life in Jesus, we see that after all, what we thought was life was mere existence in darkness. When he had gone a little farther from there, Mark chapter 1, verse 19... He saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them two more brothers and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants. So they left the boats and they left their dad also and went after him. God has recorded this. God has shown this to us that nothing and no one should be able to interfere with our following of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because if we allow anything or anyone to come between us and the Lord Jesus Christ, that person or that thing becomes an idol. And we cannot have two masters. We can't say to the Lord, Lord, I want to follow you, but I'm waiting for my father to come. I'd like to follow you with him. Imagine if they waited. Have you ever thought about it? Imagine if the reply to the Lord Jesus was, as James and his brother John was with, were with their father in the heart of their business, making a living for the family imagine if they said that's the Lamb of God that John the Baptist was telling us about John should we follow him and James says I don't know ask dad he's the elder and he's the authority in our family dad what do you say you know what they would have missed everything they would have missed the boat quite literally concerning their whole future and life and destiny, eternally. Paul the Apostle says, when the revelation of God came to him, he did not confer with flesh and blood. In other words, when God calls a human being, God says, don't look to other people to decide whether you should follow Jesus. And God may have people encourage us, but we need to understand that it is Jesus that we're following because he's God. We should not hesitate. We certainly shouldn't look to other people. We need to trust him because he's trustworthy. We you look at the lives of Peter and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, his brother, you see how they turned the world, as the enemies of the gospel said, upside down. They were startled. And you know what they consider upside down? Is that they're winning people to follow Jesus. But they are so hard in their heart, the enemies of the gospel are. The religious leaders said, these men are turning the world upside down. We have to arrest them. What do they do? They were telling the masses of people, Jesus loves you. That's what they were saying in essence. God loves you. The times of refreshing is coming. And you know what they're doing? They're healing people. People who, where I come from, they may call cursed because of something called karma. This notion in the Hindu religion, as my ancestors, believed at one time, that whatever happens to you in this life, It's because of what you did in a previous life and whatever you do in this life is going to affect your future reincarnation. And there's an endless cycle of that. And the most drastic part of it is, although they may use that construct or philosophy of religion to explain causality or cause and effect, instead of some arbitrary thing where anything goes. And for, for that reason, people in the East, a lot of times, they don't like what's happening in the West because it seems like everybody's doing whatever they want. And there's no explanation because it's become a post-Christian world. A post-modern world. And so they they say, you know what? They're just getting more corrupt with all their Christianity and whatever religion they have. The truth of the matter is, anyone who claims to follow Jesus and does the opposite is no Christian any more than one who says I belong to my dad and mom and they are good people, decent citizens they pay their taxes, they don't commit crimes they do good things and here I am as a child of these noble parents going around committing crime everywhere can somebody assume well because the child is so reckless and rebellious and He's a vandal, that the parents must be the same way. So let's discard the parents too, because a child is like this. No. True Christians will follow Jesus Christ, who is Almighty God, pure and holy, and teaches love. But the problem with karma is, although they explain or try to explain causality, system of justice, if you will, reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping, I should say, The problem is, how do they explain when a child is handicapped, born handicapped? Is it fair to say that that child in a previous life did something wrong, so he or she ended up like this? And so the people who are underprivileged, people who are discarded by society as unfit, for the mainstream population as second class or third class, or worse yet, untouchable human beings made in the image of God, looked upon as dirt and maybe worse than dirt, as a nuisance. And here's a cripple coming, blind, maybe deaf, crawling by the train station looking for alms, for a handout. Somebody's baby. What would we do if it was our baby? we say, oh, that's just karma, he did something bad, obviously, in the previous life, he's getting paid back now. It's like a Westerner who went to India, and he was doing his PhD, I heard, and he went to a certain portion, part of India, and uh, he was just taken up by the whole Hindu religion, and especially karma. And there happened to be an Indian man, another scholar, who actually was a Christian. And he's a philosopher and, uh, I believe, a former Hindu. And here's an American coming there. And the American was quite active, even though he's doing his PhD and busy. He was raising his daughter by himself. And the daughter happened to go to a school where this Indian scholar, his wife... um, helped that girl because she didn't have a mother with her, and uh, this western man began to evangelize excitedly teaching people about karma in India, because he just was so enthused by it and, and taken up, he thought, you know what, that explains justice, I like it. And whatever happened in this life is because of what you did in the previous life well he came to this indian yep. scholar's house one day because uh, he happened to have a cook this westerner an indian cook a young man who did the groceries and everything walked for miles and this man didn't have time to do any of that he's doing his phd and very busy writing and researching and uh, one day this cook ran away with 200 rupees so the story goes he took money that he was supposed to go to the market to get vegetables and everything fresh because they didn't have refrigeration. The electricity was not reliable. And so what happened was he ran away with the 200 rupees this man's Western man's or American man's money, never came back. Well, the wife of the Indian scholar who was looking after this Western or American man's daughter in school found that cook somewhere. And the cook apparently spoke very politely and convinced this wife of the Indian scholar that he was a good man and there's some discrepancy there. She was convinced that, you know what? He seems to be so nice. Obviously, there's some misunderstanding. Certainly, we can be forgiving of him. So she wrote to the American and said, you really should rehire this man. This American got so furious, he went to... Indian scholar's door and started banging and when he opened it he said for a half an hour he's ranting and raving saying how dare your wife write me to tell me that I should hire this servant who stole my money this Indian scholar was a Christian he looked at him and listened to him for half an hour and he said well maybe it was you that stole from him 200 rupees in the previous life and with that the American man chuckled and walked away But the point was made. Why are you worried? Why are you upset? Don't you believe in karma? You got robbed because obviously you probably robbed somebody or robbed him in his previous life from your previous life. And so these things don't make sense. So much of religion that people take, and it's not just the Hindu religion where I come from in India, but all sorts of religions. But with Jesus, you see a clear stream of truth where there's a God that doesn't act arbitrarily, nor does he have a system of justice that is cruel and unjust. Sounds like an oxymoron. Justice that is unjust, but we see it every day. People who claim to mete out justice, laws and lawyers and Government officials and people in the neighborhood, they claim to be good. They claim to be equal, but they have a lot of prejudice. They have a lot of darkness, and we see it in the actions. But when God is on the scene, Jesus is on the scene, he changes hearts. He doesn't just explain something that doesn't satisfy, doesn't make sense in the end. But he changed his hearts because he made us in his image. So that means, according to the gospel, we have fallen from what we were supposed to be. And that's why there are problems in families, between husbands and wives, between parents and children, between nations. Because the whole world, according to the Bible, has gone away from the light. We have solar light, lunar light, we have artificial light, but not the divine light. To expose our darkness the depths of our hearts where that heart needs to be transformed with the washing away of our sins by the blood of Jesus this is the message that John and James and Peter or Simon Peter and Andrew received once they started following Jesus in other words it became active and functional in their lives their hearts were changed because up to that point all they knew was John the Baptist is a mighty preacher and look, all the people they're getting convicted, there's something happening. People are starting to check their hearts and get baptized but it's really making the way for something greater. We all need salvation. It's one thing to say I'm sorry and I'm not going to do it again but it's another thing to take all of those things that we've done, look at the root cause which is the sin nature and to have that taken away is not humanly possible. Only God can do it. And that's where Jesus comes in. And the Lord demonstrated his power. John one twenty one or Mark one twenty one. I'd like to give an opportunity for someone else to read. Mark one twenty one to thirty one, and then someone else. You can read from thirty two to the end of
1: the chapter verse 45 praise the Lord Mark 1 21-31 New James version then they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught they were astonished as his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all region around Galilee. Now as soon as they had come, Out of synagogue, they entered a house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. They told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her. And she served him. Praise be to God. She served them.
2: That evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and he and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. Because for this purpose, I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues, in synagogues, throughout all Galilee, and casting out demons. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, "If you are willing, you can make me clean." Then Jesus moved with compassion stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places and they came to him from every direction. Praise God.
0: Praise be to the Lord. Praise God. So essentially we see in the last section that the Lord Jesus reached out and touched someone who was effectively an untouchable. It wasn't merely because of some caste system. There's a social, uh, taboo there that they don't go near lepers, but it was communicable disease. So there was a social stigma and also, uh, medical protective measure that they had to take for their health where we know from reading Leviticus about quarantine and these people were shunned from society human beings made in the image of God maybe they didn't have their fingers maybe they didn't have their noses once again somebody's baby that grew up the pain that a human being can feel when they're all of a sudden they're no longer useful. People don't think they're useful. They're not good enough. What what pain? Have you ever felt that? I remember coming to the United States as a young child, about six and a half. And I remember <laughs> telling the children, our own children, but some of those days, how. A neighbor girl came, an American girl, who knew my aunt. We were living with our aunt briefly when we came. And um, I remember she had a toy. Here I am, six and a half or seven years old. And she said, do you want to play with this toy? She's much older. And I was smiling innocently, and I think I nodded. Yes. And she said, you can play with it. And then she said, I don't care. Now, learning a little bit of English before I left India from an English tutor. My father had his tuition set up from uh, some Americans that were living there. And uh, just understanding face value when somebody says, I don't care. I took it that she didn't care about me when she said, you can play with this toy, I don't care. Of course, she was conveying, conveying that it doesn't bother me if you play with it, you can play with it. But to me, the words came like an arrow at such a young age. The perception was that she didn't care about me, and it stung. I don't believe I cried or anything, but it just was so awkward that she would say that and understand how these phrases were used here that time but when you have feelings of pain and hurt sometimes people can see sometimes not and even if they can see it when people really don't care and they see you as less than what you're supposed to be or what they are supposed to perceive you as when there's racism when there's prejudice when there's all kinds of isms and then when somebody's physically debilitated, and they're no longer useful, quote-unquote. What do people do with elderly people that are no longer useful? What do we learn from Nazism in Germany? Where they selected people who were unfit to live in society. Not only because they didn't fit the profile that Hitler set up being blonde hair and blue eye and all these things but if they were handicapped if they were too elderly if they were of a different race especially if they were Jewish can we not see that certain religions are not so far off from Nazism and fascism And the world over today condemns, at least for the most part. And yet, we see this man who is an untouchable in every sense of the word. But Jesus touches him. Jesus didn't have to touch him, but he touched him. Imagine if you were the leper or I was the leper. Everybody is running from you. And as we saw in Leviticus recently, they're supposed to cry out, unclean, unclean. There's a certain procedure to further cause them to experience that isolation. And for someone to actually touch, of course, this man understood in verse 41 that this Jesus can make him clean, verse 40, 41. He came believing that Jesus had the power that he may do it. If he wants to, he can do it. Then Jesus moved with compassion. What other God have you ever heard of? I've never seen anything like this. And I'm amazed many times, even though I was raised in a Christian family, the divine encounter we have, certain times when you read the Bible, I'm amazed and eternally grateful to God because I could have been without Jesus following something that seemed to satisfy a superficial need for religion. Everybody follows someone, whether they admit it or not. Everyone follows someone. But to come and encounter the living God, the true God, And the one that has so much compassion, sometimes I feel like asking myself, how could you ever have missed this? And then, thank God, it wasn't too late for me to come to know the Lord of Compassion. This God cares. This God came down into my mess, into humanity's mess. He came and He suffered for our sins. It wasn't just to be a hero. Some people and some religions and certain pursuits in life with various motives, they may stand or lie down or walk on a bed of nails. They may put their hand through fire, they may say, Bury me in a bury me in a a, a pile of snow five feet or six feet. They do all these things for what use? That's why in First Corinthians 13 it says if I give my body to be burned even if I give everything I have to the poor if I don't have love I am nothing. It profits me nothing. Jesus showed every use of his eternal power out of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whosoever should believe on him believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life the whole motivation of God was not to show his power only to repossess something he made that was corrupted and taken away for God so loved the world like a husband loves a wife a husband who really loves the wife really sacrifices for the wife And really lives to beautify the wife in every way because he adores the wife. That's a picture of God's love. This love called agape love. For God so loved the world and how far and how short we fall. God sees that too. We cannot love like he loves. And that's why he came. to take every sin away but the Lord demonstrates in this fast-paced beginning chapter of Mark's gospel so many things happening you can know that this man, Jesus Christ is very active in reaching out to people this man, Jesus Christ is very active in reaching out to people And he's been given a divine declaration from heaven at his baptism. God saying, this is my beloved son. This is God the son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he's reaching out to people not just with a message like a newspaper or with a horoscope or something to make them feel good, some fortune telling. No, he's Reaching out in a divine love, one-on-one, and with divine power to cure the problem. There's no one like him. He touched him and said, you think if I'm willing I can make you clean? I am willing. Be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken the power of the words of the living God in human form, Immediately, this dreaded disease left him, left that man, he was cleansed. Not only did Jesus not get the leprosy, this highly contagious, infectious disease, but power from him went and destroyed the disease in this other human being, who was also emotionally, no doubt, very impoverished. And hurt. All of a sudden, the man, body, mind, and soul, was made whole again, and his value was highlighted by the Lord Jesus, because God so loved the world, He so loved this leper that He came to help him out of his misery, and restore him. And He told him, "Go to the society. Go to the people in charge. Go to the priests." Go to the priests and let them see that you're really cleansed so you can re-enter the population and be normal again. Blessed be God's name. The man, of course, was so excited. He didn't heed the counsel, the first part of it. The command of Jesus. He said, don't say anything right now to anyone. But he went out And told everybody. And because of that, the Lord couldn't freely go and minister in the city. But he had to be as a hermit of sorts to be in the deserted places. But still the people came from every direction. The Lord knew that this man would go and broadcast it everywhere and that he'd be restricted from his movements as a result, but he was willing. He was willing. He cared about the man so much, he didn't think about himself. Just like when he spoke to the woman at the well of Samaria. Jacob's well. In John chapter 4. He was hungry, he was tired. Probably very hot might have had a headache, who knows, he suffered. But he put all that to the side. He was interested in giving everlasting life to that woman and to the people of the village. There's no God like Jesus. There's no God like him. Going back now, very quickly as we come to a close this morning, we saw how he dealt with this demon, real devil, spirit not a human being who acts devilish, but a real evil spirit that possessed a man. So he went to this place that would become his headquarters, Capernaum, on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he went into the synagogue there and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as if he had real authority, not like the scribes who were just repeating what they read and teaching. He spoke like he's the author of the Bible. Now, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. He was possessed with a devil, a demon. When Jesus comes into the synagogue and is teaching, all of a sudden, imagine this, a scream screaming, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. All the people think, what on earth is happening here? This man is possessed. They're all startled. And he's saying these words, including not only identifying Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth, but identifying this carpenter's son who's standing before them, was teaching with such authority, the demon inside the man is saying, we know or I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Are you coming to destroy us? And another gospel says, before our time. These devils trembled and they were anxious. They started blurting out because they couldn't stand the presence of Jesus. Darkness, as we heard last evening on the radio program, please at the presence of light there's a tremor that's going up in the camp of the devil but Jesus rebuked him saying be quiet and come out of him he's talking to the devil he said be quiet and come out of him and when the unclean spirit had convulsed him he just threw this man who the spirit possessed the evil spirit and cried out with a loud voice again then the evil spirit left him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? Meaning, doctrine simply means teaching or body of truth. What they're saying is, not what Jesus has been saying, but the man that's been teaching right now with authority, we just saw a devil run from him which possessed a human being. We just saw drama right in front of us of heaven driving out hell. So they're wondering, what kind of teaching is this that has such power? For with power or authority he commands even the demons, the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Those demons are no match for this Jesus. They're they're astounded. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. They all started telling people, You know that Jesus of Nazareth, you know the man that came to the synagogue the other day? The man that has the disciples following him, the he just commanded an evil spirit, a demon, to leave her. Another man who was possessed. And it ran. And this is what we heard the demon saying. His fame spread all through the region. And the height of this ministry, he enters the house of Simon Peter and Andrew. And he goes with James and John. And Simon's mother-in-law is sick with such a fever that it's unmanageable. She can do anything. And so, the disciples told Jesus. Now, the dignity that Jesus gives to every human being, both an individual, just one person, He didn't look for ministry where more people know about him and a bigger crusade, no. And also a female. There were people in those days, the common consensus was that women are inferior to men and they can even be treated as property. Many times in the ancient world. Jesus went loving this individual, one person, this woman, Peter's mother-in-law, and he took her by the hand, and the fever left, and she was able to serve them. Now the gospel says he stood over, all those things are true, but the essential truth and point is, that out of love, even though he was so busy and so much is happening, and he's not able to sleep much at all for a number of reasons, he's ready to meet the needs. And so the Lord Jesus is ready to meet our needs. He knows what we need even before we ask Him. But what a privilege to say, Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, help me. I need you. And step by step, in every point, every every situation in life every horrible dark time in life we can find that he is a faithful savior a faithful friend we can not only consult him for everything we can pray to him and ask him to help us to be involved in everything that concerns us the Lord will come through to help us now the interim passages between what we read with the leper situation and this healing we see that more healing is happening verse 32 at evening when the sun had set they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon possessed so we have multitudes coming now and the whole city was gathered together at the door what a day then he healed many who were sick with various diseases. There's no disease Jesus cannot heal. And cast out many demons. There's no devil, no demonic power that he cannot send running away from people. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. They have multitudes here. It's going to be a greater commotion. He has power to tell the demons to even shut their mouths. He cured the people. He delivered them. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before day. Now, in the evening, suppose it was 8, 9, 10, a long while before daybreak. Maybe at 3 o'clock. Maybe at 2.30. Maybe at 2. He got up in a rather short time. And we don't know, actually, what time he went to sleep. Because all we see in the previous verse is that he healed the people. It was evening. And with multitudes, we can gather that it didn't happen in one minute. Perhaps it took a few hours with so many people coming. And after that, perhaps he spoke with the disciples and explained some things. Maybe they had questions. A lot of things that are not recorded. But we know one thing. He did not sleep much. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a deserted or solitary place. And there, he talked with his father. He prayed. He knew he had to get along with the father. He knew he needed direction. See, as a man, even though he was God the Son, he took upon himself flesh. He became a man, fully human, while being fully God. A divine incarnation. Not reincarnation, but one time, God became becoming flesh taking on this carne as the original word goes this flesh he knew he had to spend time with the father and so for us we will get burned out very quickly we'll be confused we'll do things and say things that seem to be right and seem to be the best we can do but actually can become a total flop if we don't spend time, quality time with the Lord. Where He just takes away every pride, every pretense, every desire to be seen and heard and become empty so we can get filled in His presence. The Lord Jesus, He didn't have that problem because He always did what pleased the Father. However, very clear that if the Son of God Himself as a man son of God, son of man needed to spend time with the father and he got up early he didn't consider sleep you know it was a very busy day very taxing day as a human being and early in the morning they start looking for him again he knew he had to spend time with the father and so do we otherwise our inner world will fall apart we will fall apart It's just a matter of time. But with quality time with the Lord, really saying, Jesus, I want to know you more. Lord, I want you to speak to me. Lord, I want to live life the way you meant for me to live it. Lord, what do you want me to do today? Please go before me. Please straighten everything out. Help me, Lord. The Lord will help us. Well, he went to pray, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, because people are coming to them. When they found him, the news they had for Jesus was, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I've come forth. There wasn't one who said, well, I'm glad everybody's looking for me. I guess I can get more support and more houses that I can go visit and probably have good tea and food and they'll all adore me and I'll have the best of everything because look at the miracle power I have. People are just dying to meet me and be with me. He said, no, they've heard enough here. They've seen enough. I have to go to the next towns because they need to hear. Notice so with us. There should be a, a desire to reach people who don't know the Lord. Not just hang around company where we are with people who know the Lord and although their fellowship is wonderful and we should be together we also must do what Jesus did desire because of compassion because of love's sake that people who don't know Jesus must know him about him through me and he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons so he went from town to town around that region on this great lake Galilee, or Sea of Galilee, and more devils to be cast out. So many devils, so many devils, in the synagogue, outside the synagogue, all over the place. And so it is today. Many, many people have demons with them, and operating in them. But you can't tell from the outside necessarily, until Jesus comes on the scene. Until you go there, if you're filled with the spirit of God. And then you may see manifestations of it. And then God can use you to deliver them. The manifestations may not be screaming and shrieking. Maybe be that they get agitated. You can see it in their demeanor. You can see it in their way they are. All of a sudden become hostile perhaps. They want to do wrong to you. It seems for no apparent reason. But you know why? Because You're coming with the presence of God and the devil's angry, hostile, becomes more devious and can't be hidden. So it starts manifesting. But then we have been given authority. If we have received authority by spending time with the Lord and keeping ourselves pure and believing Him and following Him and asking Him, waiting on Him, And we can walk and do what Jesus did. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise be to God. Anybody who would like to pray.